Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello, NRL fans, and welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky, and welcome to the Sunday session, round 14 review. I've got Johnny back on the line. Johnny, how are you, mate? Very well, thanks. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Got got the win in most of my draft leagues and got a very good score in Classic, but I think I've been pipped by Pat at the end and you have extended the lead thanks to Jason <laughs> throwing you the win. So how, how do you feel, mate? Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about this. You know, obviously, I think he needs to win more than me. And um, look, I, I'm happy to happy to take the two points home, but um, so I'm not complaining, singing pretty <laughs> at top. Well, considering the way your Newcastle Knights are playing, you need to get some wins somewhere. So exactly, yeah. hopefully the Supercoach realm will uh, do that <laughs> for you. But let's let's get in. Or maybe we've got eight games to go through this week. So first of all, we go to Four Pines Oval, my new favourite home ground name in the NRL. It was the Manly Seagulls 50 defeating the North Queensland Cowboys 18. And Nom, this one, mate, was really interesting. Obviously, yeah. we've spoken about no Tommy Turbo quite a bit on this show and... You know, a lot of people have changed their tips very late on and loaded up on Cowboys in Supercoach because they thought the no turbo factor would kick in here, but mainly got on with it and really kicked on in the after the quick start by the Cowboys. Yeah, so the Cowboys got off to a quick start in this one. Like you said, they got, you know, two tries and then um, it was pretty much all manly after that. Um, yeah, without turbo, you know, people were wondering, you know, did the sequels have it? But yeah, I don't think anyone expected uh, turbo-less Manly put on 50 on the Cowboys, who have been doing quite well to their credit. Yeah, it was really um, an interesting one. Ruben Garrick went back to fullback. And we've seen Ruben Garrick there quite a few times. Hasn't really let the lit the world on fire, but I thought this was a classic Daly Cherry Evans uh, performance. Mm. You know, he's one of these guys that has sneakily been around with us in our lives for quite a while now. Uh, lots of first-grade experience. And this was, you know, when he does retire eventually, this will be one of the masterclasses that we show because he had his fingerprints all over this one. You know, passing game was on point, kicking game was on point, and, you know, bounced back after a temperamental game at Origin, you know, pretty quiet at Origin, got well contained. But um, this this was a real big showing for him. What, what did you see from Daly here? And, you know, does this give you confidence that going forward, if Turbo does not play and gets rested in the back end of the season, mainly can still kind of push for the top four? Yeah, um, you know, Chaz, um, Daly Cherry, I mean, he, he's, he's the type of guy to take, you know, these losses quite, um, quite personally. And, you know, you could see his reaction after the Queensland game. He was quite gutted. So it was important for him to, you know, back up for his home club 48 hours later. And, um, yeah, he, he absolutely had a blinder here, one of his best performances. Yeah, definitely. And the one thing that I keep, you know, when I do the the uh, previews, I kind of just keep thinking about this Manly forward pack because before the season, mm. I really didn't have anything, um, you know, I wasn't having any expectations. You know, you lost Adam Fanua Blake, you lost Joel Thompson, two pretty key parts of this forward pack, but Marty power, I think, has really kicked up a gear and he's really in the conversation for best prop in the game. And, you know, Ola Kua'atu, uh, you've got Schuster when he's been there, uh, Jake, obviously, this is just a well-oiled machine, and I think Desi's getting them to really fire at the right points here. What's your thoughts on that Manly Ford pack? Yeah, they're, they're still missing um, Curtis Hirnan, which, mm. um, you know, he's going to add some, some strike out the edge once he's back. So, you know, I admit I was quite critical of them um, earlier this year, especially when they got, you know, um, piled, got 50 piled on them by the Panthers back at um, Rookie. 
Um, so they've definitely stepped it up, um, you know, in, over the past few months, actually. They've, they've um, yeah, definitely stepped up to your challenge. Yeah, and quickly on to the Cowboys side is because, you know, I've been pretty um, complimentary of the Cowboys, you know, they had that poor start and they really, you know, turned a corner and they've been playing some good footy. But this was a, this was a step back. Um, Tom Dearden, obviously, his first game with the club. Um, halfback of the future, some say, but yeah, had a pretty poor game here. And the interesting one to me, you know, we've spoken on and off, you know, about this Jason Tomololo injecting himself back into the games, but again, back down to 50 minutes in this one, really just not understanding how Todd Payton's going to utilize him. You know, I think we either got to really settle into a nice 50 minute stint and pick where he's going to play his 50, or he's got to really play for the 70 minutes and put his footprints all over the game here. What's your thoughts on? I guess Tom Didden and Jason Tomalolo as being two pretty integral pieces moving forward for the Cowboys. Yeah, Tom Didden, it's it's a hard position, you know, jumping into fullback. I mean, sorry, halfback for a new team. Because um, before he arrived, um, Jack Clifford, he was doing quite. He had the Cowboys going quite well. So you know, to jump into this new system, it's going to be hard for the young lad. Uh, with Jason Tomalolo, oh, he's he's just looking a bit of a shadow. On, of his previous seasons, you know, you know, on the field and, you know, obviously super coach as well from, from your perspective, you know, instead of knocking out those consistent 70s, he's just, you know, coming along around 40, uh, 30, 40, if you're lucky. Yeah, it's honestly the, the one thing I'm kind of really keeping my eye on for the next six or 12 months is if another club called the Cowboys right now and spoke to Todd Payton and said, what would it take to get Justin Tombola off your hands? I think it actually won't take that much. I think Todd Payton would be really, you know, obviously he's one of the superstars of the game, but on that contract and the way Todd Payton really likes to get his team around the park, you know, like you said, he's looked like a shell of himself. You know, these new rule changes affected a lot of players and it could be Jason Tomololo is one of those dying breeds of, you know, Mm. rampaging cannonball forwards that, you know, you know, doesn't really keep up with the, the six again rule. So it's going to be very interesting because, you know, any type of team that really wants to try and solidify their forward pack, I think you could really go to the Cowboys and, you know, do one of those loan deals or do one of those swap deals. And really, you know, if you want to get Jason Tomlin, I think he's there for the taking, um, which is pretty surprising. Before we move on quickly, just a quick note on Supercoach on this one. I'd like to just quickly go through some of the the scores and, you know, what went well, what went didn't. So obviously top scorer here, Daly Cherubin's 148. You're absolutely cheering if you had Daly this week. And if you're looking for a bit of a flop this week, uh, anyone who kind of did think that Tom Dearden was going to come in and, you know, set the world on fire with his Cowboys team are 17. So, you know, he's going to uh, take time to gel into this game. But, um, yeah, pretty disappointing if you uh, thought Dearden was a play there. So move on to the next game, Nom. It was uh, back down at Cogra. It was the Cronulla Sharks 19 defeating the B team Panthers 18. And you're obviously pretty plugged into this one with your old boy, Matt Burton. What did you see here from the Panthers and from the Sharks here? Bit of a tell of two halves, isn't it? You know, you had the, the Sharks come out firing score 18 points and then the Panthers did the same and you thought they were going to come home with it, you know, after Burton scored that double. Um, but, you know, Sean Johnson, you know, he's off contract. He's, uh, yeah, he's playing for a contract and he, yeah, he won the game for them. So uh, credit to him. Yeah, it was, it was a game where the Sharkies got up, but it wasn't a really convincing get-up, if you know what I mean. Like, Ronaldo Molotalo, that first time, had that really big break, uh, shrugged off a couple of defenders, Matt Moylan in support. 
you know, it, it wasn't like the Sharks outplayed them. Same as the Tigers last week. This BT Panthers side, like, you know, we make the joke say, like, you know, it's a reserve grade team, but it really is. Like, you're playing without five to seven of your best players in your team and still putting in performances that, you know, can make a coach proud. And look, in these games, you know, I'm not a fan of Mitch Kenny and Tyra May getting big minutes in this team, but, you know, they're doing a job right now. And I think you're really seeing, you know, at least to me, the way this Panthers team has been constituted, and you know, there's gonna be a lot of guys off contract and needing new contracts. You look at a guy like to me, Viliami Kikau. I think he's the first guy, you know, if you need to kind of let a guy go from your side to re-sign the core players, I think Kikau's done himself a pretty big disservice in these last couple of rounds. I would have thought he would have been able to really stand up and put some performances in here, but big Billy is um gone missing, you know, he's I was, I was expecting, you know, 20 run performances and get the team on my back, you know, but yeah, a bit, bit, um, bit left to be desired there. What's your thoughts on kick out at least these last couple of weeks when you've been watching the Panthers go? Um, I haven't been watching him too closely, to be honest, in, in real game, but I guess, you know, just looking at his scores on Supercoach, I know that Supercoach doesn't always reflect to real life, but it looks like he's, he's just not, I'm not sure whether Jerome Luai, um, you know, just, doesn't like to use him in He just likes to use Kikau as a body or a big body you know, rampaging through a line or whether he's just uh, not putting himself involved in the game. Uh, I'm not too sure which one it is. What do you think? Look, I think it's a little bit of... Um, he's definitely like one of the best decoy players. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, having mm. Big Billy run through the line close to the line or like on a sweeping play, it's a very nice guy to have there. But, you know, when he has got the ball in hand, he's prone to an error. You know, yeah. always tries to, you know, force an offload or um, runs a little bit sideways. You know, to me, Billy's one of those guys where might match him up against a smaller halfback and just, you know, run it in 15 times a game, you know. Definitely in that Ryan Hoffman mold where you kind of just like say, target that guy and run it in nonstop. That's where I think, you know, they've kind of been missing these last couple of weeks. You look at the mm-hmm. two games, you know, I would have thought Luke Brooks and Sean Johnson were just going to be speed humps in those games, you know, getting, you know, Scott Sorensen, uh, Billy Kikau, Matt Eisenhuth, just running over them consistently. And, you know, I think it's been some really good reps for some of the guys in this team. Like, you know, Dylan Edwards hasn't been lying the world on fire, but he's had to kind of get more involved here. Abby Corusau this week was kind of the lead attacker. So they're going to be like, there's no problem. Like it's the first time since round three, they're not on the top of the table, but there's no panic stations, if you know what I mean. They're going to be there no. at the end of the season. Some of the guys that are getting some big runs and big minutes right now, it will go better for them later in the season. But this was about the Sharkies. The Sharkies, you know, went through six straight losses. They've come back here. They're playing some good footy under Josh Hannay. Like you said, they've locked up a couple of key positions and a couple of guys are off contract trying to make some, you know, some big pushes for contracts next year. So they're going to be in some good shape. And I guess moving forward, do you see anything from the Sharkies? Do you think this is a little turning point here? Can they battle for the eight? Or do you think they're going to be settling around that 10 to 14 type of range? No, I don't think they can make the eight. But um, something that I did did notice was uh, Matt Morland running at full pace. Oh, um, I get scared, Nom. I get scared that <laughs> Hammy's going to pop in, you know. It's a sad thing because when he was at the Panthers, he was one of those young bulls that just wanted to run all the time and electrifying. But when a guy's had that many, you know, soft tissue injuries, you do worry because, you know, he's got the big uh, wrap warmer on the Hammy. And like you said, when, he got full, when he's got when he gone um, full pelt these last couple of games, you kind of do – shrug a little bit to go, don't, don't pop it, don't pop it. So it's, it's great to see him running full speed, but yeah, you get a bit worried for him. Exactly. It'll be interesting, Kim, a combination. looks like the, you know, um, Fitzgibbon, he's decided that he wants Matt Moylan and um, partnering Nico Hines in the mm. Haas. 
Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how these two go because, um, you know, I think they sort of both play that 5-8 role at the moment. So uh, I'm scratching my head who, who's going to be the dominant ball player or whether they're just going to play you know, footy and play both sides of the field there. Yeah, we haven't really seen a team that's kind of said, here's two running halves that have decent mm. ball playing. Yeah. So it'll be interesting, but I'm really excited for the Sharks next year. I think they've got some good signings coming in with Nico and uh, Cameron McInnes, who a lot of people forget mm. that obviously he signed before the injury. So look, this is a stepping stone year. I don't think they're going to make the eight either, but I think they can really solidify the rest of their team uh, and have a good good punch for next season. So we'll leave it there quickly on the super coach perspective for this game. Obviously your boy, Matt Burden, 108. Knocked it out of the park again. He was on two. He was on one at halftime. Finished on 108. What a, what a beast! And if you're looking for a flop, you can't go past my boy, Big Charlie. Another 20. I think the time in my team has ended. He'll be going to the waivers this week, Nom. So if you do want a center wing, that's either going to give you 20 or 80. Uh, Charlie will be on the waiver, so you can pick him up if you'd like. There. No, thank you. <laughs> Let's move on to the third game of the round. Probably the most exciting game of the round, the Gold Coast Titans 34 getting pipped right at the end by the Roosters 35 in a tale of two halves. Obviously, you missed a bit of the first half. I watched the first half. I missed a bit of the second half. You watched the second half. And this game really showed you the swing of the sin bin um, because yeah. this game really yeah. turned when Ben Marshke went to the sin bin. What did you see from this one? I mean, a game of the season potential. Yeah. So, you know, you, you don't really see the Roosters get run down like that. But yeah, who, who would have thought after a, a crucial ascendant to Ben Marshkin, there was a 50, 50 or 60th minute, um, the Titans came came home, screening home. Um, you know, we, we all know the Titans have great, you know, attack all across throughout the park, but you can't score 34 points and still lose a game. Like their defense is just, it's just shot. 100%. And the Titans, you know, they obviously put a good performance in the second half, but they're so prone to, when they drop their heads, they really can let a team put uh, tries on them. Like in this one here, in a 10-minute period from the 13th to 23rd minute, Ikevalu, Crichton and Tupu all crossed over. And right there, you know, you, you, you get down 18 points straight away. Look, they battled back, and I thought a couple of uh, key standouts for them, I thought, Tino and uh, Fafita backing up from Origin were really big. And Jamal obviously had some huge games. But this Titans team just needs to uh, fix up their defense because they're not going to make the top eight if they're defending and leaking points the way they are. Just It's really hard to see how they're going to turn it around here. What was your thoughts, I guess, from the Titans moving forward? Is this a team that can you can really see, like, knuckle down their defense? Or do you think they're just going to try and outscore everyone? You, you know, it's... It's cliche saying, you know, defence wins premierships, but, you know, they're definitely pretenders this season in my eyes. I mean, Ikuvali scored, you know, with five minutes or four minutes to go. They only had to really defend that one set and they mm-hmm. would have won the game because, you know, they actually had, the Roosters had to score a try and they had to hit that field goal and the Titans couldn't even do that. So it looks like, you know, there's plenty of work for them in the offseason in terms of their defence. Um, whether they can make a push for the eight, look, maybe it, it's at the moment, it's anyone's guess who's gonna, you know, fill out that top eight, you know, because at the bottom there, you got the Cowboys, the Dragons, who are seventh and eighth at the moment. So it could be anyone's guess who, who um, rounds this top eight L. Yeah, it's a great shout because, you know, they took the lead miraculously. That little, that little stab kick by Fogarty for the Kevin Proctor try 
thing of beauty, probably one of the best kicks I've seen this season, you know, just the weight on it and the it literally had to put it in that one little bit of space to get it between the winger and the fullback to cause a little bit of um, confusion for them. And then Proctor obviously running onto it. And then you're like, okay, points offsets, just get it to like the 40 meter line. Jamal put it in all corner, but then Fafita tried to do that little sneaky offload, knock on Ikevalu in the corner. And then that field goal, as sweet as you want to hit a field goal, Sam Walker hit that. It was between the sticks. We keep saying he's an 18-year-old. He's making mistakes on the fly, but, man, the Roosters, you know, you lose Cooper Cronk to retirement and you get the guy who's going to be there for the next 15 years. It's pretty impressive what they do there. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, he he missed that conversion. That could have won the game, but, you, can't, you know, he came back a few minutes later and then, yeah, struck that field goal, like you said, so sweetly just to win that goal. And you can see, um, you know, an 18-year-old kicking in that um, winning field goal. That's just, yeah, what dreams are made of. Yeah, two two quick points on the to finish off this game. I I did a little podcast um that I'll release this week about where I think Corey Norman and Sean Johnson should go, two halves that are on the market now. And one of one of my shouts for the podcast, I'll say it here now, I really wouldn't mind seeing Corey Norman at the Titans next year, uh partnering Jamal Fogarty. Um that obviously means Ash Taylor would be leaving the club, but I kind of thought in this game, just having the viable option, I think. A lot of teams now are just sagging off Ash Taylor, knowing that he's not going to be the one to create the play and they really load up on Jamal. So I think that would be an interesting shot. And from a Roosters perspective, really quickly, you may have spoken a couple of reviews now where I kind of ask you, is it time to ride off the Roosters? You know, can this team get it done? Look, I still think they're going to struggle against the good teams. And the next two rounds, they have got uh, Parramatta and the Panthers. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they kind of go here. Um, but I'm really interested to see leading up to the next two rounds and into round 17 where this team can finish because you look there was no Teddy in this game he'll obviously be coming back and uh no Takiaho as well so it's going to be very interesting to see here one last shot very very quickly uh Jared Maria Hargreaves 250 mm. games 80 minutes a beast and one of my favorite players in the NRL era so very entertaining game happy for Jared that he got the win in his 250th and I guess this t- this game showed us what these two teams were made of. One team, like you said, probably the pretenders this year needs to get a lot of work done. And one team, even when the backs are against the wall, they'll still try and get the result. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, and Boyd Cotton, obviously, as well, devastating news that, um, you know, only a few weeks ago, you had Robbo saying, you know, um, Cotton was due back, you know, maybe after the origin period. And then this happened. All of a sudden, he, he caused a... A close to his career, so uh, very very sad to hear that. But because um, he's been such a champion player for such a long time, yeah, I did a, I did a little podcast about that, so I got all my thoughts in there. But yeah, no, great great shout, Nomi. One of one of the best players in the NRL era, especially for the Roosters, captain his club, state, and country. So shouts to him. Very quickly to close it out on this one, Jamal Fogarty, one hundred and fifty. Uh, I traded him this week, so um, sorry about that, Nom, because you you went up against him. And your boy Ikovalu also 107. So uh, the only other one, just very quickly, if you picked up Ben Marsh, he has a hooker. He got a minus one. So very, very sorry for anyone who had to run with Ben Marsh for some reason. Um, you obviously got a bit dudded there. So let's move on to the next game of the round. Is the fourth game, the South Sydney Rabbitohs 24, defeating your boys, uh, the Knights 10. And very comfortable for this one, Nom. Um, your team, you know, put up a bit of a fight compared to the week before. So obviously that's a, uh, a shining light, you know, a bit of, a bit of effort, but 
the Rabbits doing it very comfortably here. Yeah, look, um, after losing to, to the Eels 40-4 at home, um, we'll, we'll take this effort, you know. Um, it's not an excuse, but, you know, we, we still got a lot of players out. We still, you know, uh, next week we, we have, yeah, troops coming back. We got, um, you know, we got Clemar coming back from suspension, um, Mitchell Pierce coming back. Uh, we'll have, you know, Heimel Hunt and possibly Kane Pong in the next two weeks. So, so that's hopeful for us. But um, look, we went down fighting and that's all I could really hope for. I was never optimistic that we could get the win, but to keep it, you know, within 14 points. Um, yeah. It's not, not a bad run. Yeah, the way the Rabbits stripped you a couple of times on the edge, you know, this could have got a little bit messy like last week, but I think you guys really did, you know, like you said, when you kind of like look at your missing list right now, uh, Pierce, Ponga, Clemmer, Frizzell, uh, Edric Lee, Hummel Hunt, uh, there's just name that you keep keep naming them, you know, it's it's pretty, it's hard to win in the NRL when you have like five of your best eight not playing. So, but again, no excuse. Adam O'Brien's got a big job to try and turn this around. And, you know, some of the guys like a Tex Hoy, like a Nari Tawala, you know, some of these guys that you kind of hoped would have kicked on and, you know, really stood up during this period haven't. So that might be a blessing in disguise for you because you're not going to be kind of waiting for those guys to develop and you can go and buy that talent that you need to get better. Uh, but I think that's where we'll kind of leave it for the Knights because, again, I can't really take much out of these performances because your, t- your team's not there. And, yeah. you know... Same as the Panthers, again, no panic stations. Obviously, panic stations because your team is right there <laughs> in the bottom four, but... Thanks, mate. <laughs> what, what can you expect, you know? When you yeah. haven't got the... Same as the Cowboys at the start of the year. When you haven't got the cattle, you, I can't expect you to put a performance against a top four side like the Rabbits. And am I going to take much from the Rabbits in this game? You know, when Bennett came out and said he was very happy and their premiership uh, attack is back on, on route here, I, I don't see it. I, I'm reversing a depleted Knights outfit, so... This game didn't really show me much. Uh, the result was exactly how I thought it would be. Uh, but I can't really take much out of this one because, again, you're versing a Knights team that hasn't got their best players and the Rabbits did what they needed to do. Yeah. Um, I guess watching the game, what, what did sh- shoot us to pieces was, I, I think this is what Wayne Bennett is referring to, was that that left edge. You, you know it's coming. You can see it happening in slow motion. But every time, Cody Walker always... You know, he gets it to Alex Johnson or he gets it to the strike center. It, he always makes the right decision. So, uh, yeah, we, we have had absolutely no answers for that. But, you know, it was no surprise that our right edge defense was probably the most shocking in the whole competition. It's really interesting. Like, great point by you. That left end, that left edge play, like, obviously, like you said, happens in slow motion. I'm very, very surprised that teams just don't say, okay. We're just going to go one-on-one here and, like, we'll slide. And if he takes the ball and dummies, we'll live with that. Like, I, I find it very surprising because Alex Johnson, obviously, one of the best finishers in the game. Nine times out of ten, he's going to get that ball down. I, I just find it very surprising how effective it is because I thought more teams would just go and kind of go, we'll, we'll let you have this. We'll just try and tackle one-on-one and see what happens. I'm, I'm very surprised that that always goes through. But, again, when when you got guys like Reynolds, Tullitrell, to Adrian. Yeah, we've got Kurt Mann to while on that edge, so yeah. <laughs> enough said. That's it. All right, we'll leave it there on that one. Quickly, from a super coach perspective, not much came out of this one. Obviously, Alex Johnson, the main man here, 124 with his hat trick. Uh, you and me both have him in classics. That was very nice, but I did verse him in drafts. So that will obviously hurt a little bit. And for a flop in this game, 
Not too many flop scores, to be honest. Probably if you had Tuala, his 24 hurt you. But other than that, everyone pretty pretty much scored um, what I thought they would. Probably the only one to mention from this game, your boy, Big Bradman, another syndesmosis injury. Like we said, could be one of the best centers in the game, but availability is the best, and he's just not there right now. He just poor bloke can't catch a break. He's uh he's got all these injuries that they're not related either. You know, he's just got the worst luck in the whole world. Mm-hmm. It's not like a recurring hamstring injury. He's got I'm pretty sure he had syndesmosis last year on on a different ankle, and now he's got it on the other ankle. You know, he had a hand injury, an elbow injury. He's just um yeah, he's, he's a bit of a walking wounded at 18, 19 years of age. Um, yeah, yeah, just hope that he can stay on the park. 100%. Let's get on to the next game, Nom. From GIO Stadium, it was the Canberra Raiders 38, defeating the Brisbane Broncos 16. This one here, look, it was it was competitive again. The Broncos just have, have that in there where they can kind of grub the game up a little bit and, you know, get it to a certain area. Um but yeah, just too too many times. And we talked about, you know, you just said your Newcastle Knights with a poor edge defense display. Um, Broncos not much better. They were able they the Cambridge here stripped them quite a few times down the edge. And some of the big names really stood up here. Um, what what do you see here from Canberra? Obviously, they're getting the season back on track, or is this more of versing the hamstrung Broncos? Well, it's the first win at home since I think it was like round, round one, one or two for the Raiders. Yeah. yeah round one. So, look, I know being the Broncos isn't anything to write home about, but the fact that they did manage to get a convincing win and, you know, they look refreshed after the bye. Um, I mean, I guess you take it by game at the moment, but I think uh, Sticky will be very happy with that performance. Yeah, starting to get some real continuity. continuity. Can't even say that word. Continuity. Right <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, probably coming back was obviously huge. Dynamis Louis in the starting pack, you know, he's obviously not one of their top six forwards, but I just like him being there because he knows how to do his job. Uh, Harawira Naira on an edge, playing some great footy. And I think this team is going to go as far as Josh Hodgson takes them. You know, Tom Starling's very good, but Josh Hodgson is the main playmaker in that attack. So they're starting to get some key guys back. Love this new center combination of Sebastian Chris and Matt Tomoko. Tomoko showed... A real potential in this game, really strong, bust out a couple of tackles and set up a couple of tries. So Canberra, look, they're going to get their season back on track. They're, they're not, they're, there's too much talent in that side to stay where they were on the ladder. They're going to try and push for the eight. It'll be interesting to see as they verse a couple of tougher teams that they can really turn it around. But very quickly, Brisbane, seventh half pairing in 14 games here. Carmichael Hunt returned, obviously showed his age and, you know, this new... NRL is definitely different to the one he played in. What was your thoughts on his return? And I guess, is he a long-term answer in the, in the half? So we're going to go for an eighth combination soon. Uh, look, it's it was always going to be hard to come back. Was it 4,000 something days since his last game on NRL? Um, what to say about Carmichael Hunt? Look, he was, his first few touches were definitely rusty, you know. Mm. He, um, but I feel like he, he did warm to the task a bit, a bit towards the end of the game. Um, whether he's the answer, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if MILF is uh, any better alternative. Uh, yeah, if I, uh, I'm not sure what I would do personally if I was Kevy. Uh, what I would do Carl Michael Hunt. I, I think he'll, he'll be better for the, for the run. You know, he's give him another one or two games, you know, to see what he's got. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, got Adam Reynolds next season, and there's a lot of players who in the club right now who could partner him. You've got Tyson Gamble, Albert Kelly, Conor Hunt, Anthony Milford. So any any one of those guys, or obviously our favourite player, Brody Croft, is still there as well. Um, so any of those guys could fill it. They could buy external and get another half in there, maybe a Corey Norman coming home potentially. Um, but yeah, like, you know, your boy Osaka obviously got dropped. Tessie New came in a fullback, had some nice touches, but again, still don't think he's, you know, first grade material. The news today that they've pulled their offer to Matt Dufty, so he's not an option, which I'm so surprised at. And the way that this team is building their club, but it's kind of want to sit on those boardroom meetings to understand their logic because... yeah. I don't get it. Talk me through that very quickly before we move on to the next game. What's your thoughts on a team like, um, obviously they didn't get Nico Hines and the reports that they lowballed Nico Hines on the first offer and didn't and were willing to go high, but they kind of lowballed on the first offer and pulling out so early on the Matt Dufty sweepstakes. What's your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's interesting who they um, you know, see as a long-term fullback because you know, obviously Isako, he's been dropped last year and he's been dropped this year. You know, he's great in attack when you know, he's versing Bulldogs, but, you know, defensively, he's just got so many errors in him. Um, I was excited to see Herbie Fardsworth. I mean, he, I knew he was named at fullback, but then he ended up playing on the wing. Um, Tessie knew, look, he, he looked good when he did have, have the ball. You know, he had the, he had the very light feet, but, yeah, I just haven't seen enough uh, from this really young back line to see who, who the you know, got in mind for a long time. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one. To wrap it up on this game, uh, the main man, Bailey Simonson, if anyone held him in uh, super coach this season, he was getting 20s and 30s consistently. His first game of fullback, 116. So if you hold on, he repaid you the faith. And if you're looking at a uh, flop score, Tom Starling, if anyone still has him, scored a nine. But probably the second worst game of the year, Kobe Hetherington, obviously got that huge send-off, minus five. So... Again, if you had to run it for whatever reason, you're kicking yourself um, very quickly. Did you think that was a send-off? No. Nah. Um, you know, there was um, the ball carrier. He was slipping over. It was, you know, maybe a sin min at best, but, you know, there was really no intent. Like, we we saw the send-offs, you know, around Magic Ground. You could see, um, you know, people running in with a swing arm. That was an obvious send-off. You know, how Pappy got locked out that was an obvious send-off but this one wasn't an obvious send-off in my opinion yeah fair enough all right let's get on to the, the third uh, last game of the round it was from central coast stadium the melbourne storm 42 defeating the new zealand warriors 16 and this one nom um obviously i had a very high interest in this game i had about five storm guys in my fantasy team um <laughs> look it was a professional job um, there was no clear standouts. Uh, the Cheese, Harry Grant, uh, Jerome Hughes, Nico Hines all played their part. It was just a professional win by Melbourne. It was one of those ones where they kind of just said, let's go up there, let's get the win, let's get out of there. So um, not won't talk too much about what happened in this game in particular. It was definitely Melbourne's uh, forward pack got on a roll and their classy outside backs kind of finished the job and a lot of set pieces when they were in um, good field position. But just kind of talking uh, big picture, so obviously they're first on the ladder now. They've taken over from the Panthers, who's been ravaged by Origin commitments. Do you think the Melbourne Storm are the team bit to beat in the comp, or do you still think the Panthers at full strength um, are the team to beat? Uh, my money would still have to be on the Panthers. You know, the Storm side 
they they always seem to get over this origin period very well. And obviously the the Penrith Panthers, they've this is sort of their first. They didn't get tested last year with Origin. You know, they were flying high. This is the first year they've really been tested with, um, you know, having, you know, six or seven players out um, to Origin. So I think I think the the Penrith boys, they'll be better for the run, having that those Origin reps under their belt, you know, with Jerome Luai, Brian Toor, you know, in the big stage, they, I think they will be able to step up in that grand final. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think they're... Obviously, there was a very young team that played in that grand final last year, and they were versing a very experienced team. So the the origin performance for these guys will be pretty telling. Um, another one quickly for Melbourne here, uh, Ryan Pappenhausen, my boy, uh, still out. Obviously, seems like he's getting close. Reports that maybe around uh, sixteen is the target. If you're Melbourne, um, obviously you got to get him some run before the finals to get some run on the park, but how cautious would you be with him? Obviously they're taking a very cautious approach. but would you want to try and get him integrated back to give him a good, you know, eight weeks before the finals, or are you happy to kind of really rest him and let Nico do his thing until he's a hundred percent ready to go? And you don't really care how many games he has before the final series. Um, Look, I think he'll, I'd be comfortable resting him until at least, you know, the, the origin period ends, at least until the buy round. You know, that still gives him a good, you know, two, two, one, one to two months of footy under the belt. So that's plenty to get match fitness up. I wouldn't want to risk him, you know, especially if he's still having you know, um, symptoms because um, Nico Hines is just, um, yeah, he's just lighting, lighting it out there at the back. Yeah, that's it. And, Last one for Mel before we move to the Warriors, Cameron Munster. Uh, he's had another kick. Um, so that's two in two games for him. He's going to get another fine. If you're Craig Bellamy, obviously we love the passion that Munster plays with. And, you know, in the Origin Arena, people call him our, our modern day Wally Lewis or Alfie Langer. But, you know, he's starting to get a couple of these real little, you know, on-field discretions. What would you say of your bellyache? You know, do you try and get him to tone it down a little bit or do you just think, that's how Cameron's got to play to kind of get himself in the game. Oh, he, he's already done that. Um, I think there were reports that Craig Bellamy told Monster to to really reel it in because you know he's he can't afford this ill discipline, especially in this these big games. So um, it would be controlled aggression. I think would be Bellamy's message to him. Yeah, that's it. Quickly onto the Warriors side before we move on to the next one. Uh, AFB came back in this game, so really solidified their forward pack. Uh, again, it looks like a blowout, but look, there was chances for this uh, for this Warriors team to kind of make an impression. And again, they're not going to be, you know, a top four side. I think they're going to be sniffing around that eight. So they're going to be better for the long run. But an interesting storyline for me, and I want to get your opinion on it. So Ken Mamalo obviously um, was granted the immediate release to sign with the Tigers this mm. weekend. You know, he was one of the three that um, went home last year when COVID happened. So, obviously, he didn't want to stay in Australia. He wanted to go home with his family. He's now been released from the Warriors and uh, moving to the Tigers, so he'll be relocating his family to Sydney on a full-time basis. Do you think it could be, you know, the club was... Do you think it was really hard for the club to play without those three guys, Fusatua, Mamalo, and Parsi, because two of them are now no longer at the club? Do you think it was a bit more of the that camp mentality that the whole squad had. And, you know, because those guys weren't there, they maybe drifted and has caused a bit of tension in the, in the playing room. Cause he was obviously devastated. He was crying on the field after his hat trick yesterday. And it's just pretty, you know, within 12 months to 
want to go home because you want to stay in Australia for a couple of months and now uprooting your whole family to come to Australia. It just kind of, it's obviously we'll probably never find out the answer, but could it be that, you you know, that experience of the squad staying together and, you know, kind of feeling like he abandoned them in some sort of way? What's your thoughts there? Just quick, really quickly to see, am I piecing any puzzles together or do you think it's more um, of just coincidence? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure because, yeah, obviously you're looking at the scenes after the game. He, it didn't look like it was his decision to leave. Um, I'm not sure if it's, if it's a case of, um, you know, the Warriors just have a lot of yeah, up-and-coming stars. You know, they have Edward Cossey on, on the wings there. Um, and then, you know, obviously they got um, Reese Walsh in fullback. But now the, the Warriors are trying to recruit Matt Dufty from mm. most recent reports. So, yeah, they're, they're being a very aggressive recruitment. And, yeah, Ken Mbala, that that's a head-scratcher because he was... He's been great for them for the past few seasons. You know, he got their sets off to a great start. He was a great finisher. So, yeah, I guess without, you know, without being a fly on the wall or in, the, in their boardroom, I, I can't really, I don't really have any answers. Mm. Very quickly before we move on to the next game, the back three for the Tigers for next season, Dane Laurie, Ken Mamalo, David Northaluma. Lots mm. of meters and some talent there. So the Tigers are doing some good things there. Yeah, they're going to get their sets off to a very good start at the very least. See, all right, we'll move on to the second last game. It was the Sunday game, the Parramatta Eels at Bank West, uh, defeating the West Tigers 40-12 to 12 in a pretty fiery game. Uh, my team really aimed up in a couple of different areas. Um, I'll let you start here. What do you think from this Parramatta performance? It was the first game this season where one another four-pack kind of really challenged Parramatta, but Parramatta was able to answer the bell. What did you see here from Parramatta? Mitchell Moses dominating. Um, he, you know, he definitely found his running game back. You know, uh, this season, Mitchell Moses hasn't been that sort of highlight real player. He's been more of a uh, um, team steerer sort of game, but... You know, this game, it's the first game that he's really, um, you know, found his running. And, gee, that, I mean, off the off the back of your forward pack, he, he um, yeah, really had a blinder there. Yeah, I thought the forwards really stood up. I thought Campbell Gillard and Paula were huge. Uh, Nathan mm. Brown also chipped in. You know, probably Maddo, Bryce Cutright, some of the edge players, you know, did their part. But this was definitely, we kind of challenged them through the middle. And then Dylan Brown and Mitch Moses both took the running game on. Clint finished. Siva obviously um, was impactful as well. It was just a real all-round great performance. Obviously, no Reed Marnie as well. So Joey Lassie came in there, did a did a good job at hooker. So very happy. You know, Tigers were going for three straight wins, but Parramatta are able to do it pretty comfortably in the end. For the Tigers, I never thought I'd say this, but they really missed uh, Moses and in this game. You know, he was uh, mm. he's been a pretty good um, troop for them in the halves. Billy Walters came back for his first game. And like you said, we come up with Hunt, a lot of rust. You know, Billy Walters is a good player, uh, but pretty for me, a pretty head-scratching decision to throw him. You know, this is a pretty big game against a very good opposition. And, you know, he's a 5'8 dummy half. You know, he can play both, but he looked pretty out of sorts in this one. What did you see from the Tigers? And, you know, obviously they probably weren't going to beat Parramatta and a top four side moving forward, but there's still some some signs to the game that Magic McGuire, they're still fighting for Magic Maguire, which is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the scoreline probably, you know, it obviously got away from them in the second half. But, you know, for a good 60 minutes, that they, they were quite, it, it was quite close. But then, yeah, after halftime, they just, 
Um, yeah, just couldn't keep up with with Para there. Um, with with this Tiger side, they, I think, they they did look good. They did have glimpses. Um, but as you said, I think you know missing M, uh, Moses Mbai, I think that really did affect them. Yeah, hundred percent. And in this game, I will say one thing: I don't really like to talk about the refs that much. Um, but even with my blue and gold goggles on, I really thought Sivo was going to be sent off. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about forceful direct contact to the head with intent, uh, Adam Dewey was not like that. Was a proper across the nose wooshka straight to the face. Oh, so he, he he wasn't good. He was yeah. He was definitely shaky. Yeah, so hopefully he's not out for too long because he's been one of the stars, probably the star for the Tigers this year. Um, but yeah, no, this was a good game from Parramatta. Like I said, um, we got challenged and they answered the toll. Um, so really good things to see. Like you said, Mitch Moses, his best game of the season as well. So as a Parramatta fan, happy with the result. Definitely take it. Uh, from a super coach side uh, perspective in this one, um, Mitch Moses, 112. Take that every day if you're the Mitch Moses owner. For a flop in this one, you'd be yeah, Adam Dewey, you know, did get knocked out pre late in the game, but he's finished with a nine. So there would have been a lot of guys that saw a potential juicy captain option there. You know, if you chuck the vice captain on someone early and go on Adam Dewey with the captain, you'd be pretty disappointed with a nine and uh, obviously going to lose a ton of cash. Um, so that, that's a pretty hard one to swallow if you've got uh, Adam Dewey there. But we'll move on to the last game of the round, Dom. It was. Uh, very interesting. Um, not many people saw this result happening. The Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs 28 defeating the St. George Illawarra Dragons 6. And I don't even know where to start with this one. I, you know, I thought saw a couple of potential options in this one. Uh, I thought it could be close, you know, maybe the Bulldogs pip them at the end, but this was a this was a mugging, you know. Bulldogs very comfortable with this one, and Jake Averillo showing that. You know, next season it might be the Matt Burton, Jake Averillo show. What did you see from the Dragons and the Bulldogs here? Yeah, I mean, I watched this game only because I had some super coach interest in it. Um, but the Dragons, they never looked like they um, they came to play today. It looked like, you know, I guess, you know, from the first minute, it looked like the Bulldogs just had a lot more enthusiasm. You talk about, you know, effort and that mentality the dragons i'm not sure if they came here expecting to you know get an easy win against you know the last place bulldogs but um to to the bulldogs credit they, they looked really good their, their forward pack you know um luke thompson um i mean josh jackson he did get um he did get spin but i don't think that was a, a binning for being you know offside it was um, it was an interesting wasn't it because like yeah. we normally get the we hear on the, on the the ref mic to say you know last one next one's in the bin but it was kind of out of nowhere when it happened like you know he was like i think he called him he was like um inside 10 and then i like, put up the yeah. hands for the 10 i'm going hang on is it is he offside or and like oh he's gone to the bin like it was pretty it was pretty shocking so yeah very interesting sim bin yeah, because, you know, you see a dozen of that over the weekend. I'm pretty sure, you know, that happened in, in Origin. And, um, yeah, you don't, you don't get a, um, a, a binning off that. But anyways, um, yeah, Jake Avrilo, he's the obvious one to, to call out this game. He, um, yeah, he, he looked really good. He, you know, obviously, you know, when there's pressure on him, um, he seems to not step up, but, you know, the fact that he could um, use those one-on-one situations and just slice through, he, he um, yeah, he had a great game. Hundred percent. 
And look, you know, this is probably, it was a pretty bad day for the Dragons overall. Obviously, Matt Dufty and Corey Norman have been told that they're free to leave the mm. club. So obviously their confidence may be a little bit rocked. This was definitely the worst game uh, from Ben Hunt this year. You know, he tried to do a lot in this game. You know, the four-pack wasn't there to support him. Um, but, yeah, if you're if you're Anthony Griffin, you're kind of scratching your head now because you had a couple of good performances. I think they had that run early on the season from rounds two to six, four straight wins. Now they've lost seven from nine. Some real, you know, Jack DeBellin still looks like he's not ready to start the game. So he's got to work his way off the bench and, you know, there's definitely some players that aren't bench players. They need to be, you know, in the field from the from the opening minute, but he's not ready uh, physically and, you know, cardio-wise to do that. You know, Rava Lava, as far as much as good as good as he is in attack, you know, he's prone to an error and defense can get, get caught out. Um, did you see the Jerry Marshall King try? Oh, One, yeah. Right under the sticks and Matt Dufty just... Matt Dufty, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, you know, it's just plays like that where we've, we're told that Anthony Griffin is a defensive coach and, you know, can really speak to his players. But, my God, you know, Avrilo, Meany and Marshall King, you know, guys that are good players, don't get me wrong, but shouldn't be smashing you and swinging a game for you. Yeah, let's be honest, though. I mean, that mapped up. That wasn't coaching. That was just pure laziness from, yeah. from Dufty's perspective. And it was surprising because considering the performances that... um. You know, Dufty and Hunt had last week against the, you know, albeit the, the Broncos. Um, I don't think anyone saw this sub performance coming um, against the Dogs as well. Hundred percent, and like you know that that try, like just kind of, if you want to look at this game, this game in a snapshot, right? There's two plays. So Jackson goes to the bin, and they, you know, they get the penalty thirty out from the line, and on fifth tackle, uh, Ben Hunt kicks it dead by about fifteen meters. Yeah. And obviously Bulldogs roll back down, you know, needed composure, needed to get a repeat set or even pin him down. But that Mad Dufty one is perfect because like, you know, from, from any grade football and even when we played Oztag, when someone's near the line at dummy half, you always say, watch, like, watch the scoot, watch the scoot. And on that one, the way Matt Dufty kind of like, didn't even shoot out a line, just kind of like walked up, eyes directly on the first receiver and you have a Prop like Daniel Avara at hooker, uh, sorry, a marker. Like, I don't know. That's just, like you said, that's that's effort. That's um, that's intent. That's a lot of things that just weren't there today for the Dragons. So if you're a Dragons fan, you're absolutely, like, the way that they can perform against Parramatta when they beat up on the Eels earlier in the season versus this game here, it's just there's two different teams. And, you know, Jack Bird was a liability in defense a lot today. He got caught out quite a few times. Ben Hunt had a poor game. And, you know, a guy like Andrew McCulloch had 60-odd tackles, but when you talk about impact in a game, it wasn't there today. So I think the Bulldogs, obviously, they got their win. They're very happy with it. Uh, but if you're the Dragons, yeah, you're kicking yourself here. That's it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting looking at the ladder at the moment. So the Bulldogs, they could be one win away from, you know, giving the uh, spoon to to the Broncos again. And then this was the Dragons' real chance to, you know, solidify their position to eight. Now they're just, you know, at that at that cusp there of, you know, slipping out. Yeah, 100%. Now, let's just quickly wrap it up. So Avrilo was a top scorer in this one with 101. So if you have Avrilo, you're absolutely uh, happy. And the flop has to be Ben Hunt, 14 points. 
I uh, saw a lot of people doing the late captaincy with him in this game, him or Dufty, he got 21 as well. So if you loaded up on this last game and thought that was going to be some big scores, you're obviously wrong there. But quickly, like you said, let's go through the ladder. We haven't really done that on these previews. So top of the ladder, Melbourne on 24 points. Panthers also on 24. Third place and fourth place, the Eels and the Rabbits on 22. Fifth place, the Roosters with 20. The Manly Seagulls on sixth place with 16. Cowboys in seventh still on 14. Then you have a bit of a log jam on eight. Uh, so 12 points is the Dragons, the Sharks, the Raiders, and the Warriors. 12th place is the Titans on 10, as well as the Tigers and the Knights. Uh, then you've got in 15th and 16th place, uh, the Broncos and the Bulldogs. So some teams there still got to make their run. Raiders obviously moving up, the Knights staying down. So it'll be very interesting moving forward. Uh, to see where this goes. It's very interesting uh, as we move into the second half of the season, Nom. There's going to be some teams that make some runs and some teams that will fall apart that we don't really expect, I reckon. Oh, mate. I'm just looking at the ladder now. So Sharks and Raiders, they're actually just pretty much on point differentials just out of the eight. So actually that really surprised me that, uh, yeah, both the Sharks and Raiders, they're they're not very far off. They've actually overtaken the Knights. So, um, yeah. When you think about it, right, like, so from seventh place, the Cowboys on 14 to the Knights in 14th on 10, that's yeah. only two wins. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's a close ladder this year. And like I said, these games, particularly like a Dragons, you can't lose these games. You've got to really, the teams around you, you've got to get those wins. So it's going to be very interesting to, um, to see what happens there. Before we go, Nom, one more quick one for you. Obviously, you're a proud New South Welshman. Um just your quick thoughts on the game, uh, 50 to 6, the, the Blues getting up. What was your, you know, couple of sentence reactions to watching that one? Oh, that was probably one of the best games you watch if you're a New South Welshman. Just, you know, seeing our, our backline, just setting, setting um, you know, Townsville alight. Um, look, no, I don't think anyone expected that, you know, especially going into... No one ever expects Queensland to fold like that, you know, especially in game one. Those are always pretty close games. I actually had money on this game as well. I thought, you know, it would be under total points, under 48 points, but geez, um, that that back line, you know, everyone's saying that, you know, this must be the best New South Wales side. I'm not, I wouldn't get ahead of myself just yet, but um, look, it's it's hard to see how, how Queensland will come back from that. Yeah, I did, I did a quick little uh, review pod today. You know, there are some some changes uh, Queensland can make, but this is this is primed for uh, New South Wales 3-0, some heavy defeats. You know, this could be the best origin, the most one-sided origin series we've ever had. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens. But, yeah, game two is going to be um, a very, very good game. Definitely need to get, get you around to watch that one because uh, if we can wrap up the series and get a big win, there might be some celebrations going on. Well, I'd love to see a whitewash after those uh, eight years of uh, Queen Dan's giving it us to us. Um, yeah, I'd love to see a whitewash this year. 100%. Well, Nom, thanks for coming on, mate. You're a champion. Never can come on to the review pod. So thanks for coming on, mate. No worries. Always a pleasure. No worries. And thanks for listening, guys. Have a great day and hear from you soon. Cheers.